Welcome to the Cinema Rack, where we celebrate the greatest and worst in Hollywood films and their most self-indulgent narcissistic actors, directors, and producers. Here, we will laud and malign Hollywood's seedier elements with levity and humor. They love cinema as much as anyone does. They've been talking about it for over 30 years. Time to get trashy. Here's Gregory and May. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory, and welcome back to another episode of The Cinema Rag. I hope you're doing well today. Today, we're going to discuss, or I'm going to discuss, everything, everywhere, all at once. For the remainder of this episode, I'm just going to call it everything for the sake of being succinct, and I'm not going to call it double E, double A, O. So we're just going to call it everything. The reason I wanted to do this episode is a couple of reasons. One, May and I have mentioned in the past this movie, of course, as the Oscars were approaching back in March when we were giving some predictions as to who was going to win. I did a three-part episode in March about the Academy Awards and why the ratings were so low and how a lot of celebrities didn't show up and ways we can improve it. And throughout the various episodes I've done with May and Solo, I wanted to give my opinion on everything. I didn't want to give until I watched it. Well, I finally watched it. And so when I was giving my recommendations about best actress, best actor, who should win, I'm a big fan of Kate Blanchett's performance in Tar, but I didn't want to say that she should have won because I hadn't seen Michelle Yao in everything. And I mentioned in a previous episode on the review of The Fablemans, I went to the Pacific Northwest and on the flight, I was able to watch The Fablemans and everything everywhere all at once or everything. And so now I could finally give an opinion on the best picture winner of 2023. Now, let me, let me start with an analogy. If you walk into a food court and you're just like, I'm hungry, and you just walk up to the random Mexican food station or the Chinese food station or whatever it is, you're just hungry. You're not expecting a lot. And when you eat it, you're like, wow, this is really good. But if you go to that food court and everyone's told you that that place at the food court is a three-star Michelin restaurant, you already have expectations. Even if you don't intend to have expectations, you're already going to have expectations. And then when you go, you're only bound to be disappointed in most cases. That's how I feel about everything. So I want to start with the positives because I think there are positives from this movie. But I think you need to remember that analogy when I'm discussing the criticisms of this movie. In that, had I just stumbled into the movie theater, even though I don't go to movie theaters, but had I just stumbled upon this movie, I think I would have a different take on it to a certain extent then knowing this was the best picture winner of the Academy Awards and putting like, you see how they put banners when NBA teams win and you see the banner of every year. And so there's a banner for 2023 Academy Awards. Everything is, is up there along with, I don't know, Amadeus, 12 Years a Slave, uh, just iconic movies. And now this movie is next to it. So understand, there are things I like about it. And when I'm criticizing it, I'm not criticizing it because I think it's necessarily a bad movie. I'm criticizing it because it won Best Picture and it should not have won Best Picture. And I want to be very clear. 
and that should not have won Best Picture. Now, May loves this movie. She knew I was going to do this episode. We decided it was best not to do a live episode or a recorded Wednesday episode on this. So she wanted me to tell you guys that she loves this movie. And aside from editing, um, she loves this movie. She agrees with me that the editing is pretty awful in this movie. And that the movie is too, I guess you could call it, for lack of a better word, herky-jerky. It's just the, I find the editing to be lacking. And it's shocking that this movie won the Academy Award for film editing. But that being said, I don't think that's the first time I'm going to be shocked talking about this movie. So what do I like about it? Okay. You guys know I don't watch Marvel movies. I don't. I think the last Marvel movie I probably saw was... I think maybe I saw Thor Ragnarok, but I think previous to that, I've seen half of Captain America, their first one, and I saw maybe, I saw Thor and Iron Man 1 and 2. So clearly it's been a good decade since I've seen these movies. I think I've seen Guardians 1. So those movies and these movies, I think, and everything have some commonality. The Russo brothers produced this movie. And of course they have, uh, they have been very successful in the Marvel world and both movies have, or I should say both of these things, everything in the Marvels have the multiverse in it. The multiverse, you can certainly see in the Spider-Man movies that have been coming out recently. And it's not like I'm not a fan of the multiverse, but I, I want to give credit for the movie in that it's trying to open up your mind, you know, it's 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 wanting to be creative, and it is a creative movie in that regard. And that it spins and waxes in the multiverse world, and it it is a creative idea. The movie. I want to give credit to that. I want to give credit to Michelle Yao. I think she's good in this movie, and we're gonna do a little Academy Award review because if you guys don't know, this movie did exceedingly well in the Academy Awards. It won seven out of the 11. And it won Best Picture, Best Director for the Daniels, the two the two Daniel guys who directed it. Michelle Yao won it. And then uh, Kwan, Ki-Yu Kwan from Goonies, uh, won for Best Supporting Actor. Jamie Lee Curtis won for Best Supporting Actress, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Film Editing. It also did very well in the Director Guilds Awards, the Producer Guilds Awards, the Screen Actor Guilds Awards, and it did very well at the BAFTA, the British Academy Awards, and it did very well at the Screen Actor Guild. It pretty much just ran, it ran the gamut and won everything, ran the table, I should say, and it, and it won pretty much everything. Okay, Michelle Yao obviously is the glue that holds this movie together, and if you have not seen this movie, uh, wait till it's streaming somewhere. It's been on Showtime for some time, but I don't have Showtime. She is a great actress. I, I think she, in Maine, I've talked about this, she should have won her Academy Award for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Let's take a break. I wanted to let you know about some of the other feeds here at the Eclectico Gregorio. The oldest one we have is The Awakened Man, which mostly deals with holistic health, medical cover-ups, ways to biohack your life, to ensure longer longevity, medical conspiracies, and naturopathic stuff. We also have, and that there's probably about 400, 500 episodes over there. We started that one back in 20, 
17, 2016, I believe. We also have the Female Holistic Health Apothecary, which originally started as an essential oils feed. And there's about 100 episodes on essential oils, particular essential oils like rose and lavender and sandalwood and so forth. And then later I morphed it into more topics that are regarded for female health, female specific. We've had that feed also since 2016. And then lastly, we have Confessions of an Obese Child, which deals with my childhood obesity and trauma that came from it. So it's a great feed for those who dealt with childhood trauma that led you to have addictions to alcohol or food. And I interviewed several people and what it was like to grow up overweight and all the difficulties of losing the weight and then keeping it off and trying to metamorphosize into a regular weighted person. So check out those feeds at the Eclectical Gregory on Apple or Spotify. She is very good in that movie. She is the glue that holds this movie together. Would I say she's good in this movie? Yes, I'd say she's good in this movie. Should she have won an Academy Award? Absolutely not. I will say, indubitably, that Kate Blanchett should have won for Tar. Yes, Michelle Yao's got to do some fighting. Yes, she's got to do some comedic stuff, some dramatic stuff. Still, there's not a lot of range. It's Michelle Yao being Michelle Yao. Now, I know this is a hot take, but I have even hotter takes coming up. She's good in this. Do I think she should have been nominated? Maybe not. Maybe not. But she is the glue that holds this movie together. Absolutely. Because the whole plot revolves around her. And as I was telling May, I feel this movie rips off a lot of The Matrix from the Wachowski, I guess the Wachowski sisters now, because I think they are transgendered now. But the idea that Evelyn, Michelle Yao's character, is the one, the one that they've been waiting for and so forth to, to help save the, the world and all these things, you know, I mean, that's not even a, a thinly veiled ripoff of The Matrix. Which, of course, The Matrix, like a lot of these movies, are ripoffs of... of the Hero with a Thousand Faces by uh, Conrad. That classic tome. So here's what, I'm, here's what I don't like about everything everywhere all at once. I just don't think it's that good of a movie. I really don't think it's that good of a movie. I think the editing is bad. I think the movie is perfect for the TikTok 10 second attention span world that we live in today. I think the movie is moving at such a frenetic pace that it doesn't allow its deeper and better themes to really seep through. And what are the deeper, better themes? The, 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 the themes of family, the themes of mother and daughter, and the themes of the breaking of this marriage between Evelyn and Ki-young Kwan, the husband, their, their marriage is falling apart. And just the generational differences in the Chinese-American culture. And I think these, these themes could have really been fleshed out if the Daniels didn't feel this need to be herky-jerky and fast-moving and jumping around and all the quick editing that you see throughout the movie. And I think it takes away from it. And I think the movie would have been better had it been more of, not to rip off from like another Chinese-American movie, but like The Farewell with Aquafina. Just... Focus on, or Joy Luck Club, focus on like the family issues, the deep character issues. And I think the need by the Daniels to push the multiverse stuff really took away 
from the deeper issues. And I think this made the, the movie not nearly as good because people, yes, go to movies to be entertained, but they really get hooked into a story, whether it be TV or movies, because of character development and plot development. And I think their need to do all this cool multiverse stuff with the hot dog fingers and the rocks that can talk to each other and the bagel god and all this stuff just takes away from it. It really does. It really does. I think the movie would be a fine independent movie. Like A24 uh, bought it and distributed it out. A24 is a very successful indie um, company. And the movie did very well overall. Made hundred something like 150 worldwide. And it, it has an indie feel. I just feel like the movie is so stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry for lack of a more erudite word. The movie is so ridiculously dumb. And I know it's trying to deal with deeper themes like family and nihilism and cynicism and other things. But the, the, the movie's stupid. It's, it's ridiculously stupid. And I think one of the things that takes away from it is I think the acting is not top-notch. If you take away Michelle Yeoh, who does a good job in the movie, I would argue that everyone else in this movie is pretty bad. And I think probably the, the most egregious egregious, egregious Academy Award faux pas of at least the last 20 years is prom queen, horror queen herself, Jamie Lee Curtis, winning this Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. It is a complete sham. She's not good in this movie. She shows no range in this movie as the IRS lady who essentially is is stalking one in one universe is stalking Michelle Yeoh and another one they're lovers with hot dog fingers, but she's not good in this movie. Nowhere near close to winning an Academy Award. What was the Academy drinking? We'll talk about this at the end here. She in no way deserved it. Let's look at the nominees. Stephanie Shu for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Carrie Condon for Banshees of Inisherin. Hung Chow in The Whale, Angela Bassett in Black Panther, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Now, I've not seen Angela Bassett in Black Panther because, of course, that's Marvel. I know her work, and I think she's a great actress, but I can't really comment since I didn't see her in this movie. I've not seen The Whale. Carrie Condon is a great actress, and I've seen Banshees, and I would have given it to her. I mean, I would have given it to Stephanie Hsu. From everything, everywhere, all at once. From this movie as playing the daughter, as playing Joy or Jobu Tupaki, the, 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 the bad person, the antagonist. I think she does a better job. And then actually Aquafina was supposed to have that job, but she declined it due to production reasons. She was doing another work. And so they put in Stephanie, and Stephanie was, I would say, more of an unknown, certainly, than Aquafina. And look, she, now she's Academy Award-nominated. Give it to her over Jamie Lee Curtis. Look, I get it. Jamie Lee Curtis, Hollywood royalty. I get it. I get it. She has famous parents. We've loved her since Halloween. I loved her in Trading Places. I loved her in Freaky Friday and other things. But God, are you tarnishing the name of the Academy Award by giving her this award? She's atrociously bad. And almost equally atrociously bad is giving it to Kihu Kwan for Best Supporting Actor. 
The guy had not worked in 20 years. Most of you guys would know him from Goonies and from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. He's short stack in that, the little helper. And he stopped working 20 years ago because there were no roles. But to his luck, this is a story that needs Chinese actors that are bilingual. And there's probably not a lot in Hollywood. So they resurrected him. I mean, you could even read out that Daniels went looking for him like, what's he up to now? He hasn't been acting in 20 years. And look, he's good in this. He has no range. Even when he dresses up in the suit in the alternate universe where they don't end up together and Michelle Yell's Evelyn ends up being a famous Hong Kong actress. There's no range. And when you look at him, it's the dude from Goonies. It's the same guy acting. He looks the same. He still has that boyish looks from Goonies and from Temple of Doom. And he's not doing anything special in this movie at all. And we give him the Academy Award. Let's see who else was nominated. Brendan Gleeson for Banshees. Barry Cohen for Banshees. Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans. Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway. I have not seen that movie. Judd Hirsch is literally in one scene in The Fablemans. He shouldn't even be nominated. He's fine in that role. But he's in it literally like for three minutes. Give it to Gleason or Cohen. Both of them are excellent in different roles in Banshees. Excellent. Quan did not deserve to win this at all. Let's look at best original screenplay. Everything wins it. Banshees, they're running against Banshees. Oh, I don't know. They're running against Martin McDonough, who's done Banshees and, and Bruges and Bruges and all these other great works. Oh, they're going against Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner. Tony Kushner, one of the greatest writers in Hollywood in The Fablemans. Todd Field and Tar, who's done what? He does a movie like every 10 years. And they give it to the Daniels. The writing in this movie is not good. It's not good. What Kool-Aid are we drinking? Michelle Yell, she wins it. Kate Blanchett, I would argue, gives one of the best overall acting performances, not even male or female, in the last 10 years as the composer Lydia Tarr in Tarr. Michelle Williams, The Fablemans. Man, did she make a mistake? Because I think originally she was going to be in Best Supporting Actress. But for a variety of reasons, I think she wanted to be in, in Best Actress. Or maybe the, the studio did. I would think she's very good in The Fablemans. As I mentioned in the review of The Fablemans, I would think had she moved to Best Supporting Actress, even the woke progressive Academy could not have denied giving her the Academy Award if she was running for Best Supporting. But look... I would argue it's not Williams' best work in The Fablemans. I think she's better in, let's say, Blue Valentine. But I'd give it to her over Michelle Yeoh. And again, she's good in everything. But I don't think she should have won it. I would have given this to Kate Blanchett in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Now, why was this movie so beloved by the Academy. And, and, and let's be real, not just the Academy and the voters, but a lot of uh, well-known actors and so forth loved this movie. Now, this is where we're going to get controversial. I think that if you are a person of color or a certain identity, if you create an average work 
you're going to get it bumped up to considerations for Academy Award. And if you doubt this, five years ago, we had the hashtag Oscar so white thing. And how did they respond? Oh, we need more films of color, people creating of color and so forth. Look, no, we don't. What is the criteria for being nominated for anything? Is it good? It's supposed to be a meritocracy. We're not supposed to look at color or sexual orientation or anything like that. MLK even says it. Judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And everything is an average movie that got bumped into Academy Award consideration and won because why? Don't deny that the fact that it was made by one of the directors was Asian and the cast, it's essentially an Asian movie, Asian, a Chinese-American movie. Don't, deny, don't be denied that that didn't have a role in it. Yes, people liked it. Some people liked it because it was different. It was creative. It was so different than the typical epic prestige Casablanca Gone with the Wind best pictures that we've had. And look, it could usher in a new innovation of future best picture type movies that win. And I think there were some people that voted for it because of that. That being said, I know there was a large swath of people that were completely turned off by this, this movie. And the way the Academy votes, now we have up to 10 Academy Award Best Picture nominees, it's, it's based on a numbering system. So a movie that maybe gets a lot of ones and twos, but then also gets a lot of nines and tens in the ranking, might not win Best Picture. In a movie that gets consistent twos or threes, like I would say probably Banshees was one of those who probably got a lot of twos and threes, would have a better chance. But look, let's be real. A lot of the Academy Award voters uh, voted for this movie, and it swept everything. And I think, look, I think there's two different, I would say there's more than two. I would say there's a couple different segments of people that would love this movie. A, Certainly, if you are Chinese, Chinese-American, Asian-American, of course you're going to like this movie, and I don't blame you. Look, I am Mexican-American. When there was a time when we had, like, tortilla soup and stand and deliver and, I guess, Frida. I mean, it's like on one hand how many Mexican-American movies uh, of dramas that have been even remotely considered for Academy attention have been made. Yeah, you, of course you root for them because it's part of your ethnicity. I totally get that. So I, I don't begrudge Asian Americans for wanting this movie to succeed, just like how they were championing Crazy Rich Asians and Parasite and other movies like that. Another group that's going to like this is going to be people who like comic book movies because they're already into that kind of genre. And certainly if you like comic book movies that are multiverse, you're going to love this movie. This is movie. This movie's right up your alley. You're gonna love this movie because this movie is a hodgepodge of like 72 different genres mixed into one. It's kind of like the, the phrase "jack of all trade, master of none." It's not a master of anything in this movie. It's just a just like a toss salad of dysfunctional filmmaking. But look, if you if you're a Marvel person, you're gonna like this movie. I think if you're a progressive and you're into woke stuff, you're gonna like this movie because it's made by an Asian director and it has certain elements in it like the lesbian 
daughter's relationship with the mom, um, not really accepting it at the beginning, but then later accepting it. And it's got other kind of, I guess you can call more liberal, progressive threads running through it. Well, you're going to like that movie. You're going to like this movie for that reason as well. But when I sit back and I look at this movie, I just really want to know what Kool-Aid people were drinking. I really want to because this this movie, like I need to start a series and May and I have talked about like it's in that series and I don't know if it's going to come out before or after this episode drops, but 10 movies that are generally well loved and regarded by everybody, but, but May and I are like, what? How is this movie well liked? And if, if that drops before or after this, I don't know, but Shocking. Napoleon Dynamite is one of my movies, at, at one of the 10 I mentioned. And I think this movie is up there. Like, I need to start a series, Emperor Has No Clothes, for movies. And I think this is going to be the par excellence, simply because this movie won Best Picture in the Academy Awards. And not just won it, but swept over, I wouldn't even say arguably, swept over movies that are better. All Quiet on the Western Front, good movie. Avatar, as much as I don't like Cameron, and I haven't seen Avatar 2, you gotta give Cameron credit for his creativity. Banshees, better movie. I can't say Elvis is a better movie. I can't stand Baz Luhrmann, and I, I did not like that. Fablemans is a better movie. Tar is a better movie. Top Gun Maverick's a better movie. Triangle of Sadness, I've seen. I'm not a big fan of that movie. And Woman Talking, I've not seen. But I don't think everything should have been chosen here. It should not have been chosen. It's an emperor has no clothes. And look, I'm not the only one. A lot of people in their reviews loved this movie, but there were criticisms. In particular, I'll read a couple of these that I read. And a lot of a lot of the reviews are giving credit to Michelle Yao's performance. And certainly, I think she anchors this movie. She doesn't deserve the Wayne Academy Award, but she deserves praise for keeping this mess of a movie together. So a couple of people, Richard Brody from The New Yorker said, quote, sickly cynical feature length directorial pitch reel for a Marvel movie. Totally agree. Peter Bradshaw from The Guardian over in the UK, a formless splurge of nothing nowhere over a long period of time. Close quote. And there's other ones who've discussed it. So look, I'm not the only one. Look, in closing, why do I think so many people liked this movie in the Academy and in Hollywood's circles of elite power and all these things? Well, because it's a progressive movie. It assuages their white, liberal, and Jewish guilt. And that they can, kind of like when, when uh, well-intentioned white liberals voted for Obama to be president, it kind of assuaged their guilt for being slave owners, even though, I mean, look, only 10% of people in the South own slaves. But I think it was kind of one of these things where it's like, I'm cool, I'm good, look, I love this movie. It's, it's an Asian-American movie. It's amazing. And I think there were people in Hollywood where they're like, I can't speak bad of this movie because then it says that I'm not progressive and woke and tolerant. And that's the kind of Orwellian world that we live in today where if you say anything bad about any anything made by a person of color or different orientation, you're racist, you're a homophobe or whatever, instead of just saying, you know what, maybe I don't think this work is that good. Like if you didn't like Obama's policy and illegal immigration, you're a racist, you hate all black people. No, I don't. Maybe I just don't like his policies. It's kind of the same thing here with everything. I think there's a lot of reciprocal and mutual slapping on the back. Good job, liberal progressive. Good job for voting for this. Good job. It assuages our guilt. 
good job. This is great. It's good for Hollywood. No, this movie is the worst best picture winner at least in 40 years. And you're, you're, you're maligning and hurting the Academy's reputation for picking such a dumpster fire of a movie to win best picture. But you know what? It assuages your white liberal, white Jewish guilt. And that's why you voted for this because this movie should not have won. There were more worthy contenders. And even those films are loath to even mention this because again, this is the cancel culture. This is the Orwellian hellscape that we live in now where if you say anything negative about these things, your career could be ruined and canceled and so forth. So we all have to believe the emperor has no clothes. The emperor has clothes. The emperor is a genius. This movie's a masterpiece. No, I hate to tell you it's not. It's the worst best picture movie winner in the last 40 years. If you enjoyed this movie, I'm not going to malign you or say anything bad about your taste. Just like in this world of tolerance and acceptance and diversity, I respect your decision to like this movie, but you know what? You have to respect my decision to hate this movie. I don't think it's a good movie. And so tolerance has to go both ways. So if you loved this movie, God bless you for loving this movie. I think this movie was exceedingly overrated. And going back to the analogy, again, if I stumbled upon uh, some restaurant like, man, this is the best Indian food I've ever had, all right, all right. But if you're telling me this is three-star Michelin, there's how many, how many three-star Michelins in the world? And that's what essentially happens in this movie when you win Best Picture. I'm expecting it to be Citizen Kane and it falls short of even Birdman. And May's not going to like that because May knows I don't like Birdman either. This movie falls short of Birdman. And no doubt when May and I record our next episode... We'll probably talk a little about it because I'm sure by then she would have heard uh, this episode I'm doing on everything and she can give her cogent retorts. Guys, I will post a poll. It's in my Facebook group and on Spotify whether or not you think everything should have won Best Picture. And if you think my takes are completely wrong, as usual, rate and review on Apple and Spotify. There's a link for PayPal. And lastly, there's a link for the, the website that hosts all the Eclectical Gregorio feeds. But the best way to listen to them is on Spotify or Apple. Until next time, take care. God bless and pray. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Rag. Please post an honest review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out the episode notes to visit our website and to make a donation. Lastly, follow the rag today. Until next time.